Well, gang, great to be together. If you're a visitor or guest, my name is Tom, and it is a privilege to have you here among us. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called First, Doing First What Matters Most. Maybe you've heard of the story of the legendary UCLA basketball coach by the name of John Wooden, and the first thing that he would teach his players, here's what he said, quote, he said, the first thing I would show our players at our first meeting with the new players was how to take a little extra time putting on their shoes and socks properly. You must not permit your socks to have wrinkles around the little toe where generally you would get a blister or around the heels. It took just a few minutes, but I did show my players how I wanted them to put their socks on. Hold up the sock, work it around the little toe area and the heel so that there are no wrinkles. Smooth it out, good, and then hold the sock up while you put the shoe on. I'm sure that once I started teaching that to the new players many years ago, it did cut down on blisters. It definitely helped. But that's just a little detail that players must take advantage of because the first details are the things that make the big details come about. Well, all throughout God's Word, He talks repeatedly about, about the power of the principle of the first, of doing first what matters most. Last week, we kicked off the series and we looked at giving God the first of our time, the first moments of the day, the first day of the week, and the first month of the new year. This week, we're going to talk about pray first, but first, let's pray. <clears throat> So God, we do come to you now first in prayer. And Lord, I pray now that you would speak to us. Lord, as we come to your word, would you make it living and active to encourage, to strengthen, to revive, to comfort, to convict, to show us your way. And Lord, as we hear about prayer, Lord, would you strengthen our connection to you, to know you, through your word and prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and grab your bulletin that hopefully you got on the way in. If you flip it open to this little center section, you'll see the teaching notes that are there, as well as the scriptures that we will dig into this weekend. Well, prayer is one of the things that God calls us to do first. Before we act, before we plan, before we strategize, before we talk, before we decide, before we do, we are told to pray first. God never intended you to live life naturally. He intended for you to live a life with a supernatural access, a supernatural relationship with Him. Prayer is the access point where that relationship And that power that God has intended for you to have is woven into our everyday life. Now, if there was ever something that people, and I include myself in this, that we people tend to get out of order in our lives, it is prayer and action. Many times we tend to act first, and we don't say it this way, but we kind of think, don't worry, God, I got this one. I know what to do. I know how to respond. I know what to say. I can handle this one on my own. No extra input or help needed on this one. And when we live like that, it's called pride. I can do this on my own, God, without you. The thing about pride is this, is that pridefulness always leads to prayerlessness, I can tell how prideful I've become based on how prayerless I've become. But then something goes sideways and 
I know I've been there, and you probably have too, and you think, oh, okay, oh, God, I've made a mess of this. Can you bail me out of this mess that I've made? And one of the things that I want us to grab onto together as a church is this principle, that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. That it should be our first thing, that we go to God first with our thanksgivings, with our confessions, with our problems, with our praise, with our joys. You don't take your problems first to the bar. You don't take your problems first to narcotics. You don't take your problems first to, uh, to deny your, the existence of them or the struggles. No, you go first to God with all of it. Jesus tells us rather bluntly, he says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will put on. Then he gives two commands and says, look at the birds and consider the flowers of the field. And he basically says, look, if God cares for the birds and the grass, won't he care for us? And for that reason, he goes on and says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, speaking about all the things that we typically run to first, all those things will be added to you. Would you like a word of pastoral advice that I believe will save you a thousand headaches and heartaches in 2018? Here it is. The moment a problem surfaces is the moment you take it to God this year. The moment it comes up is the moment you take it to Him first. Jesus once said this in John 15. He said, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. There's a promise there. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's a warning there. The word remain means to dwell or to stay connected continually. How can we stay connected continually to God? Well, think of it this way. If you took everything that you are grateful for and every problem that you face this year, if you took everything you're worried or anxious about this year to God first, do you realize how many times you would be connected to God throughout the day? You would be so connected to God that you would be able to say, I'm I'm remaining in God. There's an old English revivalist with a great last name. His name was Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth. Isn't that a great last name? And here's what he said. He said, I never pray more than 20 minutes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. Listen, to have a great prayer life doesn't mean that you pray long prayers, but it does mean that you pray first, that you bring things to God first. Pray first in every situation. Pray first when you wake up. Pray first before you send the kids off to school or before you head out the door to work. Pray first before each meeting of the day. Lord, give me wisdom with this client or with this student. Pray first before each meal. Lord, I'm thanking you for my daily bread. I'm not taking it for granted. I'm thanking you for it. Pray first. The first of something in Scripture is pretty important. We are called to do first what matters most, but it's also important to see that what you do first will matter most because it sets the tone, it sets the temperature for all the rest. It has the precedent to bless the rest of what's about to come your way. So when you pray first in every situation, you'll find yourself living out the verses from 1 Thessalonians 5 that says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Well, how do you pray continually? Well, every time a problem, every time a thanksgiving, every time a worry comes your way, you pray first. 
pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When we pray first, we are saying to God, God, you are not my plan B. When we pray first, we're saying, God, even before I try to come up with a plan A, I'm coming to you first in prayer. I can do nothing of lasting value apart from you. We see this uh, example in the book of Daniel. A troubling political decree had just been sent out by King Darius saying that he was forbidding anybody in his kingdom to worship anyone other than himself. And we pick it up in Daniel chapter 6. It says this, Now when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Notice that when Daniel heard about this decree, his first response was not to tweet about it. That wasn't the first thing that he did. His first response wasn't to complain about it with his friends. His first response wasn't to worry about it by himself. His first response was to pray as soon as he had learned about it. It was his first response, not his last resort. The legendary pastor Mark Pickerel once said it this way, Quote, you will never find a church that gave themselves the humble, honest, and consistent prayer and then later on regretted it. Isn't that true? So let's get practical. How do we build up a lifestyle of prayer first in 2018? The first thing is this, that you need to have the priority of prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. By God's design of creation, every morning is a new beginning in our life. To set your sight by prayer on the fact of the old faithfulness of God is new every morning is to be able in the middle of your life to begin life again anew with God daily. That is a gift that God gives to each one of us every morning, a new beginning. And we can choose to begin that new beginning with God. God wants to open our heart to himself before we open our hearts to the world. He wants us to pray first. Now, you don't have to be a morning person to do this. I shared with you last uh, week, that weekend, that I am not a morning person. My wife is on the front row. She can testify to that. Maybe you start your day at noon because you work late into the night and you work the late shift. The point is not what time do you do this. The point is that you do it first That it's the first thing you do. Open your heart to God in prayer first before you open your heart up to the demands, the worries of the day. So you have the priority of prayer. The second thing is this. You need to have the place of prayer. Jesus went to a specific place to pray. We're told that it was an isolated place. People that study our culture sometimes talk about that we have developed a third place place. So you have work and you have home and you have a third place. In the early 2000s, the third place was often talked about as like a coffee shop. But now what cultural kind of studiers will say is that third place is no longer an actual place. It's a virtual place. It's your Facebook place. It's your Instagram place. It's your Snapchat place. It's your online gaming place. Now, for some of us, here's what you need to hear. Go to the place of prayer before you go to that place. Go to the place of prayer before you go to that place. For too many of us, we're just living in that place. We wake up, we have our phone next to our beds. It's the first thing we do in the morning. It's the last thing we do at night and a whole bunch of things we do in between. 
we're invited to live in the place of prayer. Now for me, little kind of personal discipline. This is what I've learned about myself. If my computer or my phone is on, then I don't end up in the prayer place. I end up in that place. The activator side of me can't take it. I flip my computer on just for a moment, you know, because I'm going to put worship music on, but I might as well check a little work email while I'm waiting for Spotify to load, and next thing I know, a half an hour is gone responding to urgent work emails. I'll just check my Instagram real quick before I pray. My little discipline as we head into this new year is that I will never go to that place before I go to the prayer place first. You need a place. For some of you, it'll be a trail that you walk that you pray. It might be a route around your neighborhood that you walk. It can be a room in your house. For me, I have a prayer chair. That's what I have. I have a place. My prayer place is outside of my house because my kids are inside the house. And so that leads to all sorts of noise and chaos. And so I, I try to go away to a to an isolated place. You know, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I can't tell you because you'll follow me there with all sorts of needs and demands and wants and wishes. If you're gonna make prayer a lifestyle in 2018, you need a prayer place. You need a place. My place is in my side yard. And so when I'm in my kitchen, I can see the Adirondack chair that is my prayer place sitting there. And I put it right outside the window so that when I'm doing something in the kitchen in the morning, I can see it and I can see, oh, that's the place. That's the place I need to go. I go there right after the coffee place. I go to the prayer place, right? (laughs) I want to be awake when I'm talking to God, right? So you need a place. And the third thing you need is this. You need the plan of prayer. Anytime you're going to have a meaningful relationship, you need to go into that relationship with a plan. To have a plan communicates value to the other person. Alice and I have a date night pretty much every Friday night. That's our plan. But sometimes we pull out of the driveway and we look at each other and we say, okay, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And I'll just be honest with you. Those dates typically don't go as well as the ones where we have a plan for the date prior to getting to that moment. Go into your prayer place with a prayer plan. Luke chapter 11, it says this, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Notice he doesn't say there, oh, just say anything. It doesn't matter. He doesn't say, well, you know, just anything. Any old prayer will do. They say, teach us to pray. And he says, okay, this is how you should pray. And then he taught them what we know as or refer to sometimes as the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer. But I would say it's also a prayer plan because you can expand each phrase. For example, that prayer starts out by praising God. So I praise God. That's part of my prayer plan. When I go in, I begin with praising God. It might be a song. It might just be a few words that I say to him, but I begin with praising God. Then it talks about our daily bread or our daily needs. And so I pray about my day. I pray about the needs that I have for that day, about the scheduled meetings that I might have coming up. I pray about each of those meetings, that God would give me wisdom as I head into the day. If I don't have a bunch of meetings, maybe it's a day off that I have. I pray about my day off. God, would you make this really a restful day, a Sabbath day? Help me hold my boundaries for my need of rest. Then it talks about confession. And so I confess my sins to God, asking for forgiveness, but also seeking to forgive those who have sinned against me. 
Then it talks about not yielding to temptation, but being delivered from evil. So I pray for me that God would help me not be delivered to temptation, but deliver me from evil. And I pray for others that God would bring to mind, for my family, for the church, for staff, for my friends as well. The point is this, is that you need to have a plan as you go into your prayer place. Now, part of my default prayer plan is that I take my journal with me. It's just a little moleskin. And I often write out my prayers. Why do I write out my prayers? I've found that it focuses me when I do that. And I've found that it also provides me a record that I can go back and see all the prayers that God has answered, which actually then fuels my prayer life to get into the prayer place more often. One of the best ways to strengthen your resolve to pray first is to have a record of all the prayers that God has answered in your life when you did pray first. One of the things that I do in my uh, prayer plan, in my prayer place, is I bring with me a blank piece of paper. And the reason I bring a blank piece of paper is because when I get to my prayer place, I often think of all the other things I need to do. And I just jot those down because I'm afraid I'm going to forget them. But once I jot them down, then I can just say, okay, it's down, it's jotted down, it's there, I can remember it. And so now I can be singularly focused on praying. So for example, I will write down one of the things I do in my prayer journal is I will pray for something. And for example, we're looking for this uh, new female uh, pastor that's going to join our team. And so I literally will write down female pastor and I'll put a blank. And I'll say, God, I don't know whose name is going to fill that blank, but I know you're going to bring someone who's just the right person to fill that blank. And so I am praying for that person already. And then whenever we actually hire the person, then I actually go back and I write in the person's name so that I'm reminded of how God is continually answering the prayers that we have. I go back and I can look throughout my journals and I can see a celebration of the answered prayers that God has done. Here's what that does for my soul. I used to think this when staff would depart our team. I used to think, oh no, so-and-so's leaving. We'll never find anyone as good as them. This is the end of Christian assembly. All our best days are behind us. It's all downhill from now. Nobody's going to be as good as them. Now what I think is, hey, when you leave, God's going to have somebody better for us because our staff just keeps getting better and better. And so I enter into it hopeful, hopeful for them as they enter into their new season, but also hopeful for us that God's going to bring us the exact right person that God knows what he's doing that God promised that he would build his church and so my prayer is based on his word but by writing it down I remember all the times that God has filled in the blanks that I once was so anxious about it builds an anticipation for the next time I have something that I'm saying God I don't know how you're going to handle this I don't know how you're going to work out this situation I don't know how you're going to redeem this but I'm going to pray first and I'm going to ask you to be in charge of answering it. Part of my prayer plan that I have is that I have a list of certain people I always pray for. Certain people I always pray for, myself, my family, our staff. I pray for you all. I literally pray every time I come into a weekend, I'm praying, God, whoever you bring, I'm praying 
for them. And I'm praying, God, that they would know you in a greater way from our time together each weekend. I pray for you when you're at work. I pray for your families. I pray for you if you're single. I pray for you in your friendships. I pray for you in your life groups. I pray regularly for this church. I pray for our church planners. I pray for our international partners. I pray for my lost friends. And so, Part of your prayer plan, I want to encourage you, is to to have a plan as you go in. Not just like, well, I can't think of anything. But you go in with a plan ready to go. Oftentimes, I have a, a devotion with me. One of the ones I'm in right now is a classic called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. If you've never heard of it, look it up on Amazon. Great little kind of one-minute devotion that you can read. It's a classic. And classic doesn't mean old and irrelevant. Classic means it stood the test of time, and it's amazing. I always have in my prayer time, time with God's Word when I pray. And I often turn the Word that I just read into a prayer. So this morning when I was in God's Word and I came to John where it talks about let not your heart be troubled, I turned that into a prayer. God, where in my heart am I troubled? Where am I fearful? You're telling me to let not my heart be troubled. That means I have a role to play in that. So Lord, would you search me? Is there anywhere where I'm anxious? And I want to let not my heart be troubled by faith, trusting that you are good and you are for me. I always have, as I mentioned, a blank sheet of paper. Sometimes what I discover is I get a really great idea for a teaching series or a really great idea for something that we need to do. And so I just jot that down. So have space and have a plan. Go into your prayer place with a plan. Now, here's the key. I don't always use the plan. About a third of the time, I don't even go there, but it was there if I needed a plan. Sometimes you you get to your place and you don't need a plan to prompt you about your prayers and to pray first. You know exactly what you need to pray. It's like Allison and I on date night. We don't have to use the plan that we had planned to do, but it's there for us if we can't think up anything better spontaneous in the moment. Don't let your prayer life be held to the tyranny of spontaneity that every time you have to have this amazing, inspiring, spontaneous prayer time. Sometimes I go into my prayer time with written prayers from the historic church and I will pray prayers that others actually wrote and I'll make that my own prayer. Now, let me tell you this. When you bring this much meaning, when you plan out your time with God in your prayer place, things change. Here's what the dynamic will be. It'll start out like this. If you right now do not have a prayer plan, you probably feel like this. Ugh. Here we go. I mean, I know I should pray, but I'm kind of glad that prayer time's over so I can get on to the real stuff of life. But once you have a prayer plan, you're going to find out that you're not even halfway done with your plan and time's up and you have to go. But now you're going differently than you came in. Now you go into your day expectant, wondering, looking, anticipating for God to show up and do something that you were just talking to Him about. Brings us to the fourth and final P of prayer, which is this the persons of prayer. God has revealed Himself to us in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Blessed Trinity. It is so important that now that I'm in my prayer place, that the prayer does not become my plan and my place and my list and my worship songs. Prayer is about connecting to God relationally. I'm convinced that 
there are many people who feel like their relationship with God is not what it could be or not what it should be. It's because of your view of God. How you see God determines the kind of relationship that you will have with God. And so I'm going to give you a real clear picture of who God is. This is how God's Word summarizes the persons of the Trinity, giving us a right picture of who God is. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, it says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now let me break this down for you, and I want to clarify our picture of God. The grace of Jesus Christ. There is one mediator between God and humans, and that is Jesus Christ. So this is what it looks like in prayer. I'm here and I'm praying, okay, Father, I need some help and I'm asking for help in Jesus' name. And Jesus is there. And then he carries that prayer. He says, listen, Dad, listen, Tom is talking about a temptation that he's struggling with. And Dad, I know that. Because I, I was there and I was tempted with that. I know how tough that is. I'm there praying, Father, I have this pain going on. And, and Jesus takes that, and he's the mediator. And so he's like, Father, Dad, listen, listen, I felt that pain. Tom's praying about a, a friend that betrayed him. Father, listen, Dad, I just want to tell you that I had a friend betray me. And I know how painful it was for me. And so I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be hated by the world. Scripture tells us that Jesus is our great high priest. He's our mediator. But he is not one who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. So here's what, that mean, here's what that means. We come to God in prayer, and here's what Jesus never says to us. Are you serious? Are you here with that again? This is the third day in a row you came with that junk. Get that junk out of here. I don't want to hear any more prayers about that. This is the third day in a row you've messed up on the same thing. Get that out of here. No. He can sympathize with our weakness. Jesus was not just born to die. If that was the case, he'd be born as a baby and then he would have died. He spent 33 years on earth. Why? So that he could experience and sympathize with all that we would face in our weaknesses. So here's what Scripture tells us. So we are told this, because we have a mediator, because we have an advocate, it says, so let us come boldly before the throne of judgment. No, that's not what it says. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace to find the mercy, grace, and help when we need it most. The grace of Jesus is waiting for you in your prayer place. And then we hear about the extravagant love of the Father. The real tragedy for a lot of people in your prayer life is that your earthly father experiences are vandalizing your picture of the heavenly Father, and that is robbing you from the prayer intimacy that you would have if you could see the extravagant love of the heavenly Father. Now, I don't know what your earthly father was like, but let me clarify the picture of what our heavenly father is like. We get this from Psalm 103, beginning in verse 8. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins 
as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord, here it is, is like a father to his children. And here's the description of a biblical father. He is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. How would your prayer life look differently if you thought like this, every good thing I'm about to ask my father for, he already wants to give me. Every good thing I'm about to pray first for, he already wants to give me. I'm approaching a father who delights in giving good gifts to his children. You've got to change your view of God if you want to have a great relationship with him. You've got to change your understanding of God if you want to pray first. If you think, oh, God's always angry at me and he's never loving and he's not compassionate and he's never tender, well, no wonder you're going to struggle with your prayer life. But if you think, I have a loving, powerful Father who's waiting for me and he wants to hear and he's tender and he's compassionate and he's full of unfailing love and he knows my sins and he loves me even still. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Us. And here's the last one, the Holy Spirit. Now, some people are clear on Jesus. We have movies about him and what he did. So it's like, you know, you can catch that on Netflix. And some people are clear on God the Father, tender and compassionate, abounding in love. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that can get a little uncertain. You know, and historically he's been called the Holy Ghost. So that gets a little spooky as well. It's like, I don't know. Like, can I just have, I don't want a trinity. Can I just have two of them? Can I just have Father and Son? The whole Holy Spirit thing weirds me out a little bit. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Here's how I would summarize the role of the Holy Spirit. When the prayer meeting is over, He goes with you. So you never face anything alone. Father, thank You so much. Jesus, thank You so much for carrying my prayers to the Father, for being my mediator. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, let's go live life now. Let's go see what we have for You for the day. The Holy Spirit's name in Scripture is Perikletos, and it means this, the one who is called to someone's aid. The one who is called to someone's aid goes with you. The Holy Spirit goes out of the prayer meeting with you to counsel you, to work with you, to teach you, to remind you of God's Word, to give you those little checks in your conscience where you feel like, you know, you ever feel that moment where you're about to do something and you feel this little, like, um, um, in your conscience? That's the Holy Spirit working through your conscience to remind you of God's Word, to give you those little checks, to convict you of sin so that you can be free of it and not live in it. That's why prayer, if you want to have a great prayer life, you need to understand that when you come to the prayer place, you're coming to meet the one who's full of amazing grace, Jesus Christ. And you can't go anywhere with God until you go to the cross. You begin with the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. He paid for all of your sin. And He is the mediator between you and the Father. And then when you get to the Father, He's not like the Wizard of Oz. He's not a green-faced monster with smoke and fire. No, he's tender and compassionate, full of extravagant love. And then, and then you can experience and know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit who says, okay, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to give you some gifts and I'm going to give you some fruit in your life that's going to help you face whatever comes your way. When you face it, you won't face it alone. And I'm with you. And I'm going to remind you what Jesus said. And I'm going to teach you, and you're not alone. In fact, I'm actually going to be in you because if you ask the Father, I came because you asked the Father, and He gave you the good gift of the Holy Spirit. So now, 
He that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Alex, could you come on up? And so for some of you, it's those first three P's. Maybe you need to make prayer a priority or you need to determine a place or have a plan. For some, this needs to be a confession. And you just need to say, God, as we enter into this new year, I just need to confess that I've fallen into the pattern of making prayer the last resort, not the first priority. And so now, God, I'm turning from that, and I want to be a pray-first type of man, a pray-first type of woman. Others of you, you've had prayer be a priority in your life, but sometimes you you just kind of get there and you don't have a plan. Or you don't have a place. So where's your place going to be? And what's your plan going to be? Have a place and a plan. And by having a place and a plan, you'll discover that your prayer life becomes strengthened and you'll find yourself praying continually. A priority, a place, and a plan. Maybe you just need to say, God, would you help me? Where's my place? And right now you need to think of a place in your house or in your yard or nearby at a park or whatever it is. Maybe there's some little practical tip I shared about a plan. You need to adopt that. You need to say, I'm going to make that part of my plan. Or maybe it just needs to be, God, help me to pray first to make you the priority all throughout my day. Others of you, you just, for you, need to hear about the persons of prayer. God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so right now, what do you want to say to the Father who loves you deeply? to the Son who showers you with amazing grace and to the Spirit who desires to be your intimate friend. Before we head out of here, let's pray first. What burden or worry do you need to talk to God about? Do that now. What thanksgiving do you need to express to Him? Do that now. What decisions are you facing where you need wisdom? You don't have to face it alone. Talk to Him now. Maybe you have concerns about a friend or a loved one or that a loved one's facing or a neighbor that you want to bring to God right now in prayer. Let's do that first before we close. Maybe for you, you've never given your life to God and you just heard the description of God the Father, Son, and Spirit and you say, that's what I want. I want a relationship with a father like that who's tender and compassionate, with the son who showers us with amazing grace, and with the spirit who is our intimate friend through all that we would face. And you could just say, God, I'm praying now to make you first in my life. Take my sin to the cross. Give me, Father, your Holy Spirit that I might know you and have a hunger for your word church we can get so easily distracted we want to create new methods new plans new organizations to advance the kingdom of god there's all sorts of conferences that pastors can go to that they will tell you oh if you're a pastor and you do this this will be the new thing here's the new app that if you introduce your church to it the kingdom of god will move forward you know god's plan is to make much of a person more than anything else People are God's methods. The church is looking for better methods and God is looking for men and women who will pray first. Christian Assembly this year, may our rally cry be, 
pray first. And so I pray for you, CA, and all those who will hear this on our podcast. May the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the extravagant love of God the Father, and may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen. 